This episode is brought to you by Audi Canada. The Canadian Medical Association has partnered with Audi Canada to offer CMA members preferred incentive on select vehicle models. Purchase any new qualifying Audi model and receive an additional cash incentive based on the purchase type. Details of the incentive program can be found at audiprofessional.ca. Explore the full line of vehicles available to suit your lifestyle. The Audi driving experience is like no other. Penicillin allergy is commonly reported, but true allergy may in fact be over-reported and over-diagnosed. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Today, I'm speaking with two authors of a practice article about penicillin allergy that was published in CMAJ. They are Dr. David McCullough, Infection Disease Fellow at McMaster University, and Dr. Derek Chu, a fifth-year allergy and immunology resident also at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. They're joining me today to discuss penicillin allergy, how to diagnose it, who's at risk, and how to confirm patient-reported penicillin allergy. Welcome, David and Derek. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about who you are? My name is Derek Chu. I'm a final year fellow in the Clinical Immunology and Allergy Program at McMaster University. I completed my combined MD-PhD in allergies um, at McMaster, as well as completed my internal medicine residency at the same institution. And David? Uh, yeah, so my name is David McCullough. Um, I'm originally from Northern Ireland. I completed my medical school in Queen's University, uh, Belfast, uh, and worked in the NHS for about four years before I started my internal medicine residency at McMaster uh, University in Hamilton. Uh, I'm now an infectious diseases fellow at McMaster University. And our shared interest in penicillin allergy came through with our combined uh, Royal College study group and discussing a lot of the problems that came up in our internal medicine training about the prevalence of penicillin allergy and the problems that we would routinely face. Well, the first sentence of your article actually reads, penicillin allergy is commonly reported, but nine times out of 10, penicillin will be tolerated if administered. Can you elaborate on this? Uh, yeah, so uh, taking the first part of the sentence, penicillin allergy uh, is commonly reported. It's the most common uh, reported drug allergy, usually self-reported by the patient. And approximately between 5 and 15% of patients do report this uh, label of penicillin allergy. Now, meta-analysis and observational uh, studies really have demonstrated that 10% or even probably less of uh, the people who uh, believe that they have a penicillin allergy uh, will have a positive skin test or will have a, a current uh, penicillin uh, allergy. And by allergy in this uh, paper, or when we're talking about allergy, what we're really referring to is a, a current or ongoing uh, acute immediate hypersensitivity reaction, something uh, like hives, angioedema, and anaphylaxis. So when we're talking about uh, the people who are labeled with penicillin allergy, um, when they're tested, not, not everyone is going to be uh, penicillin allergic. And in fact, the vast majority of them will not be. And this is for a number of reasons. Firstly, the reaction might not have been an allergy at all. So uh, many people are diagnosed with penicillin allergy when they're children, but perhaps they have a viral um, process going on and they, uh, they have a viral exanthem that is mistaken for an allergy or they have a wheeze or cough or something like that and, and that is labeled as an allergy. Um, the, other, the other way people get incorrectly labeled with allergy is if they have some form of side effect uh, 
that's predictable with the with medications. So, for example, I think GI side effects are pretty common, especially with beta-lactams. And uh, frequently, people will report this as an allergy, and uh, this this can be confirmed by by physicians and, and uh, or other healthcare professionals and, and put on the chart uh, as an as an allergy. So, uh, secondly, in terms of why people uh, don't have a penicillin allergy when they report it, um, there may have been really no reaction at all. Um, some people report a family history as uh, as an allergy, uh, when we know, in fact, that 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 doesn't uh, indicate that the the individual person may have an allergy. Um, and lastly, the acute uh, hypersensitivity reactions do uh, wane over time. Uh, and this is something that uh, I find very interesting when, uh, when we were writing the article, that um, about half of people uh, after five years who have had an uh, acute hypersensitivity reaction will no longer have that reaction to, uh, to penicillin. And approximately 80% or 8 out of 10 people after 10 years will have lost that, uh, that, that hypersensitivity. So Derek, what kinds of symptoms and reactions do we see in someone who is low risk versus someone who's at high risk of having an allergic reaction to penicillin? Absolutely. And I think the concept that we're trying to promote is that this is actually something very easy to for any healthcare provider to, to risk stratify patients into, much in the way analogous to the quick and easy risk stratification for chest pain, whether it's anginal or cardiac in origin or not. So a low risk history would be those that, as Dave alluded to, would be predictable side effects of penicillins. Those such as isolated dyspepsia, isolated diarrhea, isolated nausea, vomiting. Uh, these are clearly manifestations of a known side effect of the drug rather than an allergic reaction. In the same way, patients that have a family history of penicillin allergy, but not a personal history of penicillin allergy, are at very low risk of actually having a true reaction to penicillin if they are administered it because we know that penicillin allergy is not a strongly heritable trait. In contrast, those at high risk for having an allergic reaction are those that have had a recent immediate hypersensitivity causing anaphylaxis or severe drug reactions that we call severe cutaneous adverse reactions. This is a family of uh, delayed drug reactions such as Steven Johnson syndrome, toxic epidermal necrolysis, or drug reaction eosinophilia and systemic symptoms, also known as drug-induced hypersensitivity syndrome. The easiest way to evaluate this when asking a question is to say, were you hospitalized for your drug reaction? Did you have a blistering eruption, such as your skin began to blister and peel, including within your mouth? Did you have to go to the ICU or burn unit? Were you intubated? Oftentimes, they, they may not, patients may not recall the specific terms of these severe drug reactions, but will know the severe outcomes of them. Now, the key group that is best served by penicillin testing are those with what we call intermediate risk of penicillin allergy, those that have had maybe 10 years ago, five years ago, an eruption that may have been urticaria, that's a transient, itchy, raised rash, or those that just can't recall the exact details of the actual reaction. These people should be evaluated 
by an allergy specialist for testing and clarifying the diagnosis. So what sorts of uh, answers might you get to a question like that? Like, uh, what was the outcome of your of your last reaction? How did it manifest itself? And then give me an answer that you might have got from somebody who was at low risk. So someone may say something as simple as, oh, I actually never had a reaction. Okay. I'm allergic because my mother is allergic. In which case you say, okay, well, to clarify then, have you ever had penicillin or a penicillin-related antibiotic such as amoxicillin ever? And they may say, yes, I did. And if they tolerate it, then, then there's no concern here. The patient's at low risk for having an allergic reaction. Now, if they then say something instead such as, well, I took the antibiotic and, you know, if Every day that I took it, my, I had a bit of an upset stomach, but nothing more than that. I did not have hives or swelling or any breathing difficulty, or I never required hospitalization. I completed the course without issue. Then you would say, this is an expected side effect of the drug, and you are not allergic. However, if they say, I did require hospitalization and had my skin peeling off and blistering, I had to go to the burn unit, then you would say, this is very dangerous. You should avoid it strictly. I'm going to be sending you to an allergist for evaluation, and we'll go from there. That's very clear. David, is this commonly known among healthcare providers, in your opinion? Um, well, I think it's it's fair uh, fair to say that it's probably not that well known. Um, so when Derek and I were writing this article, we took the opportunity to discuss this with friends, uh, colleagues uh, from from a from a, a broad background in medicine, uh, I know that uh, both of us have uh, spouses that, who are uh, both uh, in in medicine and uh, in uh, different fields of general practice um, uh, and surgery. And uh, so we were able to sort of pull uh, or at least discuss with with a number of people that uh, that we that we knew. Um, and I think that so something that was recurring that that, that kept coming up uh, that people were a little bit hazy on or, or didn't really know the, the full extent of was that these acute IgE-mediated penicillin allergies can uh, win over time and that perhaps even the extent to which they do. And, uh, and I find that when I was talking to people about this, that was something that, that really uh, they, they felt was uh, very new to them or, or perhaps uh, perhaps new to them in some way. And I think this is backed up uh, in some of the literature. There, there was a a study in Mass General Hospital in, in Massachusetts where uh, they, they administered some educational materials to hospital staff and, and, uh, and surveyed them before and after the educational materials. And, and they did find that in a number of approximately 500 plus uh, hospital staff that uh, only around half of them uh, were aware of this fact. Um, and these were these were people from uh, from a, a broad area of the hospital, including residents, staff physicians, and approximately 10% of them were uh, nurses or nurse practitioners as well. The other thing that I've noticed is when I talk to, to colleagues uh, in the hospital, they maybe underestimate the amount of people who uh, report penicillin allergy that are actually not allergic. So people will guess around 50%, maybe 60%. And um, in fact, the number is at least 90%, if not, if not more. Well, I think it's important to clarify the size of the problem because there are dangers or repercussions of overdiagnosing penicillin allergy. And, and I think you can tell us what those are. Uh, yes, I appreciate this question because this is really the crux of why we really wanted to, to write this article and, and um, why we were encouraged to do so. Um, so the, the mislabeling of, of penicillin allergy, which happens in the vast majority of people who are reporting penicillin allergy, 
um, is both harmful to the individual person as well as the, the, the healthcare system as a whole. So, I mean, if we take the individual person to start with, the most, I think, simple and relatable repercussion is basically the inability to use uh, penicillin or beta-lactam antibiotics. Now, these antibiotics are first line for a number of infectious syndromes, uh, and that would range from things like cellulitis, pre-strep, pre-partum, perioperative prophylaxis, and then to, to serious hospital, uh, hospital infections such as staphylococcus bacteremia or neutropenic uh, sepsis. Um, and really to deny these patients the first line antibiotic in these circumstances removes your most effective drug from the arsenal. And uh, when we talk about doing that, we really place our, our patients at increased risk of, of worse outcomes or, or complications because beta-lactam antibiotics in a, a lot of circumstances have demonstrable evidence that they are more effective or more efficacious uh, than uh, their counterparts. Uh, thinking specifically of, of a hospital infection, Staphylococcus aureus bacteremia or endocarditis, that there's been a number of studies which have demonstrated the clear superiority of uh, an anti-staphylococcal penicillin to uh, vancomycin, which would be the alternative for someone who's truly penicillin, penicillin allergic. So when we, put, uh, when we put patients at risk of these complications, we also put them at risk of the complications from uh, the overuse of their second-line antibiotics. Uh, so second-line antibiotics are often more toxic. Uh, they often require blood monitoring, blood levels, uh, and they're often broader spectrum. And uh, when we use more broader spectrum antibiotics for patients, we uh, increase their chances of getting hospital-acquired or drug-resistant uh, infections such as Clostridium difficile, MRSA, uh, and uh, VRE. So uh, there was a recent uh, matched cohort study of some NHS patients with, who were taken from the data banks of the NHS general practitioner registers, and uh, they uh, they were able to demonstrate a significant increase in MRSA and Clostridium difficile uh, rates in patients just with the penicillin allergy label uh, compared to uh, their counterparts who didn't have a penicillin allergy label. So that's a real key point that that I like to think about when uh, when we're when we're discussing this is that. There's a, there's a genuine and real risk to our patients uh, as, to, as to why they should be motivated to uh, seek a resolution or a clarification of, of a potential penicillin allergy. Um, so talking about uh, the patient is one thing, but uh, we can also talk about the system as a whole. And um, the, I think when we see that 90% plus of, of patients who have the penicillin allergic label are not in fact penicillin allergic, we can see that there's really widespread and inaccurate labeling of patients with this allergy, uh, which can be harmful to them. Um, and this can create increased resource use, such as blood draws, uh, second-line antibiotic use, uh, as well as increased costs of uh, more uh, second-line antibiotics, which tend to be not always, but, but can be more costly than their first-line beta-lactam counterparts. Um, there have been a, a number of studies which have uh, demonstrated cost savings to, uh, to the healthcare system for patients if they can remove the penicillin allergy label. Um, so I don't know whether uh, it'd be interesting to talk about an example of if you can imagine a patient who's perhaps coming in for a, a preoperative clinic um, and they, uh, they report a penicillin allergy label, that will mean that instead of getting cefazolin or the usual uh, preoperative 
prophylaxis for surgical side infection afterwards, then, uh, then they might have to have vicomycin. This not only uh, increases risks of hospital-acquired infections, uh, antibiotic-resistant infections, uh, but increases things that you wouldn't necessarily think of immediately, like the runtime for uh, vancomycin infusion, um, which is significantly longer than than uh, cefazolin, and therefore uh, may may delay uh, surgery or it may not go in fully before the surgery is uh, is is performed. So the the costs and, and and problems of of this to our system do mount up and and are are significant, I think. Derek, if a patient or doctor suspects a penicillin allergy, what should happen next? So I think there's there's two main steps, and it's very important to at least take that first step and risk stratify the, the patients and identify those that are at very low risk. So take that simple history. The manuscript provides three key categories to risk stratify these people in a simple and rapid fashion, and in the appendix, we summarize it in a diagram. Those that are at higher risk, intermediate or, or very high risk, then they can be referred on and an alternative drug be used in the interim or consultation with an allergist, depending on the acuity of the situation, to facilitate the best drug at the time through techniques such as graded challenge or desensitization. For patients who are listening and thinking, oh, I've already been diagnosed with penicillin allergy, but maybe I don't have it. It's been a long time. Should they go back to their doctor and get their allergy confirmed or checked? Absolutely. The best time would be to evaluate and clarify the diagnosis as an outpatient. And all patients identified either in the outpatient setting or the inpatient setting should be referred to ensure that that diagnosis is fully clarified. Because you don't want to be running into the situation where there's an acute need for beta-lactams or penicillins and a rapid evaluation in the moment is required. Of course, we would all prefer that it is done under a controlled elective setting uh, if possible. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a really informative discussion. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. David McCullough, Infection Disease Fellow at McMaster University, and Dr. Derek Chu a fifth-year allergy and immunology resident also at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. To read the practice article they co-authored, visit cmaj.ca. Also, don't forget to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on SoundCloud or a podcast app, and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ. Thank you for listening.